Hi guys, welcome to episode 29 of Vibing in Valentino. So, I just wanted to let you guys know before we get into the thick of the conversation that I was sick at the time of recording. <laughs> so, you can hear my voice is a little bit different. And that week I recorded like three or four episodes and I was sick for all of them, <laughs> unfortunately. But you know, the show must go on. So yeah, okay, time for weekly weakness, you guys. I have been obsessed with The Office. If you guys have followed me on Instagram and seen my stories this week, it's been on my TV nonstop. Um, it is such a funny show and I think when it was super popular, I never got into it. I was more so like Big Bang Theory, Modern Family, more so than The Office. And now, you know, they're like threatening to take it off Netflix and everything. So I'm like hurrying. I'm trying to catch up because I'm like, it's got to be a reason why people love it. And now I can see why. One of the funniest shows I've ever seen. It's so good. It puts me in such a good mood. And I'm sure 99% of you have already seen The Office and you're probably like, okay, well, Nicole, <laughs> welcome to the club, finally, late ass. But the 1% of you that have not seen it, <laughs> please go watch it before they take it off Netflix. It's so good. Before we get into our conversation with our guest of the week, I just wanted to remind you guys that Vibing Strong, my eight-week lifestyle and fitness plan is up on vibinginvalentino.com. I'm super proud of this book and, you know, it was made with love for me, for you, and I hope you guys go check it out and I hope you guys enjoy it. And you can also, while you're on the website, book a one-hour consultation with me, an hour for you to talk about anything, nutrition, diet, fitness, weight loss, weight gain, muscle gain, anything related to health and wellness, the hour is all yours. So, okay, let's get into a conversation with our guest of the week. Our guest this week is an inspiration. She is a real girl's girl who aims to help women up-level and overcome depression, anxiety, alcoholism, toxic environments and overall just help fellow females get their shit together. She is an author, a mindset and sobriety coach, and is the host of Her Best Fucking Life. Sarah Ordo, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Hello, I'm so excited to be here today and talk. Hi, I know. I had so much fun on your podcast, only right that we yeah. dive into your story on mine. So Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? So I am in the Detroit area. I live in the Detroit suburbs. Mm -hmm. I am 30 years old. I do all the things. I do a lot of shit. Um, if anyone <laughs> follows me, they already know that. Do <laughs> but, everything. Um, so. I literally, yeah, like it's a little out of control. But yeah, I actually started in the entrepreneurial world. I started my business, 24 Lux Hair and Makeup, which is a hair and makeup styling company for weddings in the Detroit area and That's for amazing. destination events. And then it just snowballed into everything else I'm doing after I got sober. I started self-publishing books. Mm -hmm. I have eight on Amazon now. I have my podcast. I do a little bit of YouTube. I do online courses and coaching and yeah. all the things. And then I just started my live uh, women's events in the Detroit area too. Stop. Called Her Best Fucking Brunch. So that's been my latest big project here. That is so cute. 
That's amazing. I, such a fun. Oh my God, they're so much fun. Yeah. I no, love them so much. That's so, I think the best part about what we do is like we get to talk to really, really fascinating women. Yeah. And not a lot of people get to do that. And I think having started this podcast, I have become so much more of a girl's girl. Because yeah. I'm like, girl, like, sis, you're killing it out here. You yeah. know what I mean? As opposed to like back in the day, it's like, oh, she's like my competition. She's my competition. She's my. It's like, such a toxic mindset and now you're like oh my god you're out here doing all the things like what the fuck yeah let's celebrate I feel like doing a podcast you make so many new friends that you would have never made no seriously (laughs) I'm constantly like interviewing people that I'm like I feel like we would hang out (laughs) let's hang out in real life I've actually done that before too because I've met up with like people that I like have interviewed and we've just become friends you know yeah it's amazing yeah it's It's funny that you said that because I interviewed Annabelle DeSisto she does Adderall and compliments Mm -hmm. and she was just like I met so many friends like doing my podcast like this is just like such a way to connect women I was like I know it's crazy nobody would think no yeah Yeah, I didn't didn't think when I started it like oh I'm gonna meet all these cool women now cool Seriously. And it's so different because it's like you do YouTube. So it's like you with YouTube, it's just you and then everybody else. There's no reciprocation until it's in the comments. This is like we're talking for real. Real time yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's funny you started talking about your hair extension company because I was going to talk about that. But let's go way back. You started a massage business when you were eight years old. <laughs> I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, do you remember Greetings Workshop, the computer program, where you could, like, it was literally, like, a CD you put in your big computer, and, like, you could make, like, cards and stuff. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, I literally had this massage business when I was, like, eight, and I, I should have known, like, from this that this is, like, the route I was going to go on in life, but I, I made little, like, membership, like, credit cards on Greetings Workshop and printed them out, mm-hmm. and I literally, I think I, like, took one of my mom's actual credit cards and, like, copied what it said, like, <laughs> like, signature here, like, must be blah, 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 like, oh I, like, copied my God. and I gave all my family members a credit card, and I made, like, a little pricing chart of, like, you know, you could have, like, a foot massage, and then for I, it was like a chart so like uh-huh. for this many minutes it was this amount and it was like 25 cents like it was like quarters <laughs> but it depended on like the combination of yeah. how long what body part and like oh my god I would I remember I would like start a tab like for my family on their credit card and they would owe me like five dollars <laughs> oh my god I love that how at eight years old you were knowing how to do this is crazy girl the hustle was on early the hustle was that really is fucking crazy the fact that you have a price list Right? Like, who am I? I will say, like, me and my, like, childhood best friend that lived across the street, I don't know how young we were when we started, but, like, we would do lemonade stands every summer, Uh and I remember, this is hilarious, we would save all of the money, and then at the end of the summer, we would go get back-to-school manicures. Literally. (laughs) My type of girl. My type of girl. so young. Yes. That is, like, the equivalent of, like, taking that spa day for yourself. Yes, it is. So it is. Early. <laughs> Self-care started early for you, honey. Yes, it definitely did. <laughs> okay, let's talk a little bit more about your second business then, your hair extension business. And you yes. won so many awards in the Detroit area. You, you guys, she's like the real deal. So let's talk about that. So funny. Okay, so we actually don't sell hair extensions anymore. Uh-huh. But that actually started out as 
I actually had a different business name when I first started it. Uh-huh. It was so MySpace and like scene. It was called Trashy Pink Bow Extension. Uh-huh. And I would make clip in like um, like the stripes and the uh-huh. rainbow. Like I would do all the different things. Yeah. Um, so that's what that started as. And then I went to beauty school and started doing hair and makeup for weddings and stuff. So like that's 24 Lux is what that has is now. Yeah. But, yeah, we won like all the local awards. Like all, yeah. I know, like we we do a really great job, and I don't say that to like brag because it's not only me. Like the people that work with me are so right. talented. Right, I've worked alongside them in like top salons and spas. Like mm-hmm. I've known some of them for over a decade, and like I just have such a like core group of like good people that yeah. are talented. Yeah. That we just you know I think that it speaks volumes that we get all these awards and do so well yeah. because. You know, the services get you so far for sure, Mm -hmm. but I think the experience too, like people are always like, you guys are so much fun. I feel like you're like my friends hanging out with me on my wedding morning. So like, I think that whole customer experience is a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, definitely. Hairstylist in general becomes everybody's therapist. When I was a trainer, I used to be everybody's therapist too. We hear all the things. Yeah. When you work one-on-one with people. They really start to open up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we know. We know. We know Laura in accounting is sleeping with Bob and human resources. Yep. I know everyone's romantic life. It's crazy. (laughs) Everything going on in their life. I know. People have juicy stories to tell you guys. Don't go around thinking people here are boring. People on earth are very interesting. Right? Sometimes it's the quiet one. I know. Like, the ones you would never expect, and they unleash the shit on you, and you're just like, whoa. I know. Maybe <laughs> you just clutching your pearls, like, yes. <laughs> I thought you were such an innocent little angel. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did you find was missing in the hair extension industry that made you want to start your own business? I, I think, honestly, it was something that was very, like, trendy at the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was going to have, like, longevity in my mind. Yeah. Because, and honestly, I feel like I just missed the interaction and the people part of things. Yeah. Like, I've always been a very personal person. I like to talk. I like to meet people and, you know, have conversations. Yeah. So, and I think that's something, like, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is when you, like, work from home and you're on your computer. Like, you don't get that one-on-one experience. Yeah. So, I think that's what really got me, like... I want to be with people. Yeah. I want to have fun yeah. while I'm doing all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And now that we do all this online stuff, we kind of lose touch with like the rest of the outside world just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I notice myself now, like I'll go hiking like once a week, which I never used to hike regularly before, but I'm just like, I just need to get outside. Yeah. It's easy to fall into like a hole. Yeah. We find you your computer all day and yeah. not interact with people or like go out in, in nature. Like you said, yeah. like, I started running outside because sometimes it was just like, I got to get out of this house. Yeah. Like, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> How did you transition the branding of the MySpace, like, trashy, what is it, trashy pink? It was called trashy pink bow extension. <laughs> to 24 Lives. How did you make that rebranding happen? Yeah, so there was a little bit of time between the two, so there was definitely, like, a separation. Mm-hmm. Um I really wanted to start like a luxury on location company that was all about this like pampering experience. We come to you. It was all about the client. So it was very different, but I definitely went into it knowing like I wanted to create this brand that people would know Mm -hmm. to be like this amazing experience, reliable, like worth the investment. You're going to get great results. 
So, I mean, I've always, as I've built the 24LX brand, like I have been like notorious for like nitpicking with every single photo I post, like, cause I want to give that aesthetic. I want people to yeah. really see what they're going to experience and what it looks like to work with us. Yeah. So I've always been like super OCD about making sure everything looks the way I want it to look mm-hmm. as far as my branding. Yeah. Um, and I did rebrand 24LX a couple of years ago, maybe like two years ago. Um, when I, when we really started to grow as a business and I wanted to make this like more my full-time gig. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely changed over time a lot, but I I think it's important to rebrand when you're a business because, you know, if you see the same thing for too long, it it keeps it fresh and exciting to update it and make it new and something cool to look at. Yeah, that's true. It's so important to rebrand. You know, when you said that, it reminded me of, I used to work at a club in OC. I was a bottle girl. And they had kept the same name for, like, 10 years. And they hit their peak at, like, year six or seven before I got there, unfortunately. Because <laughs> these bottle girls were making so much money before I got there. Um, and I was, like, talking to the manager. I was, like, why are we struggling so bad? And he was, like, we haven't rebranded in over, in like, maybe a decade. And nightclubs have to rebrand. They have to change their name. They have to change their decor at least every seven, eight years to keep things interesting. Otherwise, it's the same club. You go to the same club. And it starts to get, if you think about it, the experiences and the product and the service stay with that club. And unless there's a rebranding, nobody has a reason to go there anymore. Yeah, they feel like they've already experienced it. Exactly, sure. yeah. And we have a club in Detroit that I actually, I worked at. I was a go-go dancer way back in the day. But um, it was funny because they, they they shut down because there was like a shooting outside, like not in the club, oh, okay. but like there was a shooting outside and stuff happened. They ended up closing it down. And when they reopened it, they reopened it as the same thing. Mm-hmm. Which it was like, it was a very iconic, like, EDM club in Detroit. So I think that's what they were like, oh, we're going to bring it back. Like, here it is. And it was pretty epic for a minute. But even now, I'm like, I don't even know if stuff really goes on there that much. Like, I hear nothing because it's just there. Like, I don't think it worked out long term. (laughs) It became like a landmark. And I'm like, hmm, it's just there. It is. I see it all the time. I'm like, oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go to this newer, hipper club right here. (laughs) (laughs) Something very relatable about you, because you're killing it as an entrepreneur, but something very, very relatable about you is your history with alcohol and partying. Can you tell us about your sobriety journey? Yeah. So I was your typical stereotype party girl Mm -hmm. I was out every single week in my skinky little outfit you know (laughs) that's what me and my girls did um and you know for a lot of people they go through that stage in life and it's not a bad thing to go out and have fun with your friends Mm -hmm. um I think for people that have substance abuse issues which I was definitely one of them it's very easy for that to turn into something very dangerous Mm -hmm. and kind of like a downward spiral so I have always been or I always was a very big binge drinker so like I had no control of stopping once I started. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, I, I'm only five feet tall. Like, I'm very small. I'm this tiny girl. And I would drink so much liquor, specifically, yeah. like, vodka, mm-hmm. that I would black out every single time I drank. But I would never, like, pass out or stop, which yeah. was the dangerous part. Like, I would just keep going. Yeah. So I, would, I wouldn't know what I was doing, where I was, what yeah. was going on, but I would keep drinking. 
I would leave and go other places. Like I would be all over. The, I would be doing things, and the next day I would have zero recollection oh of any of it. So I mean, like That's as you can imagine, that got me into some very sticky, dangerous situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was horrible, but um, it it was pretty bad throughout. God, I started drinking when I was like thirteen, and I didn't get sober until I was twenty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty six. So, I mean, it was pretty much that entire time. Oh, my um, God. It would get better for periods of time, and then I would go right back to it. I yeah. think it just kind of went in seasons. Mm-hmm. But um, most weekends, then like more weekends than not, I was blacking out and drinking. Yeah. So um, the reason I actually got sober was I went to a music festival that happens every year in Detroit, and we would go every year. It was mm-hmm. super fun. Of course, I pre-gamed because I pre-gamed mm-hmm. everything. And by the time we got there, I was so drunk. Like, I don't even remember getting into the festival because oh, I drank so much before. And then I was drinking with people in line. Like, so I was completely gone. Yeah. And then I um, continued to drink when I got inside. But I was so drunk that I took a handful of pills from someone that I didn't know. And I just, like, handed him a wad of money, apparently. Like, everyone has just pieced it back together to me. So I yeah, give this guy a lot of money. Know. Right. He shovels a handful of pills in my mouth and I take them. And within like 15, 20 minutes, I completely passed out on the concrete, collapsed. I like, they got me back up once and they thought I just needed to like heave or like throw up. And I stood up and completely collapsed again. And so literally this guy had to pick me up and like carry my body to the front of the festival to a medic tent and the nurses in there were like, uh, we're calling an ambulance. Like she's going now to the emergency room. So I got taken to the Detroit emergency room at the DMV, I know, by ambulance. And I don't remember any of it. Like, it's kind of all been pieced back together to me what happened. But I ended up having a slight seizure, like, biting into my tongue. My heart rate went sky high. They thought I was going to go into cardiac arrest. So I was, like, hooked up to all these wires and machines. And when I, like, they had, obviously, they were, like, clearing me out, like, pumping stuff Mm -hmm. through me. But when I finally, like, came to, I was, like, pulling things out of my, like, off my chest, out of my arm, because I didn't know what was going on, yeah. and I was scared and, like, freaking out, like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, like, ripping things out. Yeah. And so it was a horrible experience. Um, long story short, like, the doctors and the nurse just basically told me, like, you had such a high blood alcohol level, and then you took such a lethal cocktail of drugs on top of it. That they were like, we don't know how your body, like, your body was shutting down, like, 100%. We don't know how you managed to pull through it. Like, you're so small. And oh it was, God. it was, like, the worst, it was the worst experience of my life. But, like, at the end of the day now, like, I'm so grateful for it because I wouldn't have stopped. Yeah. You know, like, there was no end in sight for me. Yeah. That's how I was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you needed something to happen drastically for yeah. you to be like, this is not cool anymore. Yeah, yeah, I need that, like, rock bottom, like, almost dying moment to be like, okay, something needs to change now. You could have died. I know. Oh, it's so scary. When I think back on it now, like, it's taken years for me to, like, I mean, I'll be five years sober in May. So, like, when I think on it now, it's not so triggering emotionally for me. But, like, the first, like, year or so, like, yeah. I was a fucking mess. Yeah. Because it was like, holy shit, like, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing these things. Like, I could just be gone. Yeah. That's it. You have a higher purpose for being here. I think that's Absolutely. why you're coaching. I feel like that's yeah. the reason why you're here. That's crazy yeah. to me. Because it's like, you are tiny. For you to have taken that much stuff, <laughs> like, it would have killed anybody. It would probably kill yeah. like a 
yeah. six foot tall man. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I definitely have like a firm belief now. I've always been like a somewhat spiritual person, mm-hmm. but like after that happened, it was like, I clearly was kept here for this reason yeah. because everything I'm doing now, I'm doing because of what happened that night. Yeah. So I know that was just part of my journey and I had to go through that to get to this part of my life. Yeah. You said you've always been a binge drinker, but would you drink when you weren't going out too? Like I would sometimes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would still, there was definitely always wine in my fridge. What I found though is that when I drank at home, I would drink wine and I wouldn't drink hard alcohol mm-hmm. like I saved the alcohol for like Going the out. weekend when I was like balls to the wall and would black out but yeah I would always like casually drink too so it wasn't just like a oh I only drink on yeah. Saturday <laughs> there was definitely drinking during the week as well yeah I went home to Thailand for a month and a half almost two months over the summer and mm-hmm. up until I went home I would just drink so much all the time and I drank every day in yeah. some kind of way, I drank every day. I, I would have, like, tequila at my house or wine mm-hmm. at my house. It would just always be, like, a drink that I would have to have every day. Right. And it just got to the point where I realized that this is probably not normal behavior, that mm-hmm. we have to have hard liquor every day. Like, we're not living in madmen times. Right. You know? Like, this is not it. And I was like, when I go home, I'm going to not drink. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't drink for two months and I felt so good. And then now when yeah. I'm back, clearly like my friends, like they all want to go out and stuff, but I've like really moderated my drinking. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? And I, I feel like it's actually changing now, which I've, I've been talking to some other people about it and we've kind of noticed it, but like, I, I think you're, you're around my age. I'm 30, right? Yeah. And you're, I'm 27. Okay. So you're around my age. Yeah. So I feel like our generation was like balls to the wall drinkers. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. big time, like yeah. watch Jersey Shore. Like we were like, like that was normal. Yeah. And I feel like it became such a like normal thing in our lives. It was like mimosas at brunch. Yeah. Like I feel like our society, like our time in society was so like happy hour brunch. Yeah. Like, do all the things we drink at girls yeah. night with margaritas. Like everything was centered around alcohol so much and wine at the end of the day like everyone's got to have their wine and watch the bachelorette like it just became such a routine but like I've noticed now and I don't know if it's just because it's a different generation it's different but I feel like the people that are you know in their like late teens early 20s now when I I feel like they're not doing it as much I feel like I don't see them partying I like people are way more like health conscious I feel like they're more aware of what they're doing Mm -hmm. and they are not going as crazy as we going crazy when we were growing up we didn't have social media right we didn't have Instagram and like pretty pictures and perfect this is the age of perfection the 2000s kids are the age of perfection so the age of plastic surgery the age of being vegan real or fake we don't know but they're doing it for instagram they're doing it for that aesthetic yeah our pictures if you think about the myspace pictures the facebook pictures where everybody fucked up and it's because we were exposed to let's say nicole richie during her drug years we're exposed to the crotch flashing lindsay lohan and britney spears and paris hilton for the world Yes. We were in that whole era. The cool thing to do was to go out and get fucked up when we were little. Yes. I remember. It's so funny you say that because I remember, like, posting photos and what, like, oh, my God. Like, some of my, like, 
profile pictures on MySpace were like me drunk standing on top of a toilet in a club bathroom. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I feel like no one would be posting that today. No, first of all. no, there was no filter, was like no the censorship. The funnier, the better. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you? You might remember who they are, but there was a uh, girl group. They they like rapped. I don't think they sang. I think they were more rappers, but they were Asian. They had tattoos. Their name was the Millionaires, and they were like that sloppy MySpace drunk. They were always drinking. I feel like that's who I emulated in that time in my life. Stop it. Hold on. I'm like Googling the millionaire. Look it up. Two of them are sisters and they actually were on the Bad Girls Club not too long ago where I'm like, no one knows who these people are but me. (laughs) Hold on. Girl, yes. It was like a glamorous, trashy mess, like a lush, like it was so bad. Yes. That was our time. The dark, smoky eyes that's oh my God. everywhere. Oh my. A lot of my friends, including myself, our Facebook profile pictures were us drunk and sweaty. Yeah. Doing the like duck face. Like a bottle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's crazy to see that shift. And I feel like, honestly, we grew up in this age. Our self-esteem would be cripplingly low, but we probably wouldn't have substance abuse issues. True. But we would true. be we would be spending so much money on makeup at the age of ten. <laughs> to go, it's true. I can honestly say we saved a lot of money while we were spending that drinking, but <laughs> we spent it on alcohol, not lip liner. It's so funny though, because like as you're saying this, I'm almost thinking it's like was it not that this makes not that it was good that we were doing that, but like at least we didn't have an obsession with being perfect in yeah. a way, and we weren't so like down on ourselves like happening. Yeah. But girl, you know what? I don't know if this happened at your school, but at my school, it was an epidemic of, you know, like those simple plan, good Charlotte days. Everybody was emo as fuck. We were such like a fucked up generation. We were. Oh my God. Everybody's like. What happened? I am status would be so. They were always song lyrics. Taking back Sunday lyrics. (laughs) And now look at us. (laughs) Look at us now. Happy. (laughs) So. What has been the hardest thing for you about getting sober? Because staying sober is a whole different story. Yeah. The most difficult thing for me in the beginning was I think that it was so much a part of my identity and Mm -hmm. who I was. Like, I was those drunk, trashy pictures. Like, I was the party girl. Like, that's who I was. That's who I hung out with. That's how I looked. So it was hard for me in the beginning because I think for a while I was still trying to, like, hold on to that and be like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm just going to not drink and I'll just keep living the same way yeah and I tried to do it in the beginning I literally would still go out to the bars and I would just drive everyone Mm -hmm. and then I would be like crying driving home at 2 a.m because I would be like having like a panic attack (laughs) but I really tried I really tried to make it work um but (laughs) I think that was the hardest part was like figuring out who I was going to be because it was like oh I'm not going out this weekend like Mm -hmm. What am I, what am I going to do? Who am I going to hang out with? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There was so much I felt like I was losing. Yeah, like, like I lost out. some friends during that time. Some of my best friends, which really sucked. Um, you know, I wasn't able to go do the same things anymore. I felt yeah. like I was missing out on everything. So I think just like creating that new life and figuring out who I was going to be in it once I got sober was definitely the hardest part. And then also after that, like, I feel like there was so much emotional and mental baggage and like trauma and Mm -hmm. issues that I had been drinking to avoid that once I got sober it was like 
all bubbling up into my face. And it was like, here you go, deal with this shit now. Yeah. You were, like, forced to confront everything. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, completely. It's so funny that you talked about, like, losing friends. Because it does feel like you quickly outgrow people when you start to lose shit that is toxic for you. Yes, absolutely. It's so difficult. Sometimes you feel like the people around you are stuck where they're at and they keep trying to pull you back into that same kind of mindset. Yeah. How did you go through that? How did you manage that? It uh, it sucked in the beginning mm-hmm. and I had like one of my best friends, which like it's so sad when I think about it now, but like we were just growing in different directions. Like yeah. I was sober and I wasn't going out anymore and that person wanted to go out and do these things yeah. still and like I get it. Like I'm not going to make you change your life. Yeah. But I remember at one point like literally like sending text messages and feeling like I was like going through like a breakup because it was like I'm trying to see you I'm trying to spend time with you like why don't you want to hang out with me you know looking like desperate in a way like please still be my friend yeah 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 (laughs) like what are you doing but I mean at some point like you just have to realize like in life when you change and you grow and you up level and you you know go into these new seasons of your life like Mm -hmm. some people aren't going to come with you and it's it's not really anyone's fault in a way yeah but it does suck because like like you said like you feel like people are almost trying to like pull you back yeah and I think it makes people uncomfortable when you grow like that yeah and that's why they do it because when they see you moving up and getting better and Mm -hmm. doing all the things and they feel like they're not doing enough or they're not where they want to be it's almost like they want to lash out at you and act like you're doing something wrong because right. they're feeling bad about it. Right. Your priorities are just yeah. shifting. Yeah. yeah. What is something that you want somebody trying to get sober or already in recovery to know? I think, like, the biggest thing I always tell people, and it sounds so simple and easy, and people are always like, what? When I say it, it's mm-hmm. like, if you really want to make a change, don't give yourself any other option than to make a change. Yeah. If so many people are like, well, how did you, like, like how did you do it? How did you do it? And, like, Everybody, first of all, has a different journey in sobriety. Mm -hmm. It depends on your issue. It depends on how you drink and why you drink Mm -hmm. and, you know, your addiction. But for me, it was like, I'm not giving myself an option to fail at this. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think for a lot of people, like, you need to tell yourself, like, no, this is what we're doing. There's no other option. Mm -hmm. But it's also more than just saying that. Like, you've got to back it up with action. Yeah. You can't just say, like, well, I'm not going to drink anymore. Like, end of story. End of story. Right. Like everybody, like I said, like I had a lot of trauma and shit come up. Like I had to, for me, like one-on-one therapy was what really worked for me. And Mm -hmm. I started seeing a therapist every week. And that is definitely what kept me sober because I had to work through all my shit. I had to get myself into a healthier place. And I had to do that consistently Mm -hmm. to make sure I wasn't giving myself an option to go back to how I used to be. Yeah, I had to do the self-work. I had to keep myself accountable, you know there's so many people that go into it and they just don't want to do the work. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy to be sober. Like I'll be the first one to tell you, like I have gone through a roller coaster mm-hmm. through these five years, but you know, if you make the decision for yourself, decide like, I'm not giving myself an option. This is what I want to do. And then follow it up and back yourself up with resources and do the things you need to keep yourself going forward. Mm-hmm can absolutely do it yeah and I always tell people like if you're even thinking you might have a problem you probably have a problem yeah if you can honestly like sit there and ponder the idea that you might yeah the fact that you're probably yeah you probably should look at your relationship with alcohol immediately yeah 
I definitely had to. Because I was that girl for a while. I was like, I think I have a problem, but I have it under control. And it's just like... Girl, that was me for like 10 years. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not what I should be drinking in this amount. But we're just going to do it. And then I'm just going to live through it. (laughs) It'll be good. You know (laughs) Shot me. (laughs) Right. I'm fine. (laughs) At what point, though, do you... Do you think that that shift happens in somebody from just partying to, okay, now we have an issue? I feel like for, see, for some people, I feel like they need the rock bottom. Like I definitely needed it. Mm -hmm. I feel like some people, if they're a little bit more self-aware, they might be able to realize it sooner. But like there's red flags and you know, you've had them in your life. Like when you're looking back and thinking you might have an issue, if you can point out things that might be red flags, like, you know, they're red flags. I had a million of them and I just chose to ignore them and laugh them off. Like it was like a crazy, funny story. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I got so drunk. This happened. Like, it's not funny. That's a red flag. And dangerous. Sarah. (laughs) I chose to ignore them for so long. A lot of people choose to ignore them because they don't want to face it. But you know, like there, you have wake up calls and you have red flags and there's reasons you think you might have a problem. Like don't be dumb and try to ignore them. Yeah. Does quitting alcohol always have to, like, be a cold turkey situation where it's, like, all or nothing? I think that's very individual on the person because, for me, it had to be. Um, There are people I have talked to that say they have been able to moderate their drinking, and Mm -hmm. that's what they do now, and it works for them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very specific to people. When people say they're able to moderate after having an issue, to me, it's almost like I'm always like, uh, is this a ticking time bomb? Like, yeah. Like, is it eventually going to go back to how it used to be? Yeah. Um, so for me, it had to be cold turkey because I was just like, yeah, we can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know yourself well enough to know that you can't moderate your intake. I cannot. Know. A lot of people relapse. It's very common for people to relapse when they get sober where they'll kind of fall off the wagon and go back to it. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I have a, we run, well, we, I, I know run, it's just me, the other person left, but I run a group on Facebook called Slaying Sobriety mm-hmm. and we have almost like 8,000 women in there. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say like sometimes like I, it bothers me and I, I see the posts where it's bothering other people, but like there's some people that it's frustrating because like, okay, relapse is normal. It mm-hmm. happens for a lot of people. But sometimes I feel like people abuse it and use it as a get-out-of-jail-free card every single time it happens. Like, oh, I just had a relapse, but now I'm going to start over again. Like, oh, I relapsed last night. Oh, I relapsed over the week. Like, a relapse, like, happens, but it shouldn't be happening that frequently. And I feel like sometimes people abuse it or they use it as an excuse to not stick to what they're doing. Yeah. So that's the other thing I did want to add was, you know, like, whether being cold turkey or, like, whatever, like... I, people should know, like, people sometimes relapse. A lot of people do, but making sure you're not using it as an out to just keep doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. A relapse is something that happens once in a while. Right. It shouldn't be happening every every weekend. <laughs> if you relapse every Saturday night, then that's a problem. Yeah, it's not a relapse. You're still drinking. Yeah. <laughs> what is the biggest thing that you want somebody close to somebody in recovery? Something that you want them to know? It's so difficult being around someone that's going through it. And yeah. I can like I can say that because I have had people in my life that have struggled with addiction as well. And like mm-hmm. I know the people around me are going through these same things. It's hard. Like when one person has an addiction, like it affects everyone. 
And for those people that are around someone that might be trying to get sober, like have grace, have patience because like we, like I know it's affecting those people just as much. Like it fucks up everyone. It's not just the person that's drinking patient, support, love. But at the end of the day, I think people need to be very understanding and realistic to the idea that no matter how much you love someone, no matter how much you care about someone, no matter how much you try to help them, Mm -hmm. you can't take it personally because someone who is actually an addict or has substance abuse issues is never going to get help until they want to get help. Yeah. doesn't matter how many rehabs you find for them. It doesn't matter how many meetings you tell them they can go to. It doesn't matter how many times you cry and beg them to stop. Yeah. You can't take it personally because that person will never get help until they decide they want to get help. Yeah. And so, you know, I, for me, it's like always stay, like, like try not to give up on people because one day they hopefully will want it and then you'll be able to be like, okay, let's do this. Like, I'm going to help. Yeah. It's so hard to be around somebody who is, like, you see them spiraling out of control. Yeah. 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 I know it's why a lot of people in my past, like, weren't as close to me, you know, as they possibly could have been because it is hard to watch and it does, it hurts everyone around you. Yeah. Your self-discovery journey, your sobriety journey propelled you to start your coaching business now, which is all about mindset and sobriety. What have you learned about being an entrepreneur? It is hard. (laughs) It takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. It's definitely a whole other beat of work, but I feel like it's one of the most rewarding things in the world, especially when you're working with people and people, you know, coaching, whatever it is, courses, however you work with people, just putting out good content. Mm -hmm. Knowing that you can connect with people and help people is like, so humbling the most like gratifying experience when someone is like oh my god you helped me so much like every time like I get a message in my dms where someone's like I just read your book or I just read this book and oh my god I loved it I related so much like I really needed this like it's just so like reassuring of why I'm doing everything I'm doing as an entrepreneur and it just me like wanting to do more that's amazing especially in the coaching business because you're really helping to change people's lives Mm-hmm. Like big time, and you have a service where it's like one hour, like a consult. Not even a consult. It's just like a like I call it a power coaching call. Yeah, <laughs> I love that because sometimes you just need somebody to talk to for like an hour and have oh yeah, get your shit together. I have been in that boat a million times where it's like I need to call someone and just vent and get a pep talk. And yeah get some guidance that's not in my own head like yeah. from someone outside yeah so that's I mean that's why I started doing that because that and a lot of people you know if they're not financially in a place mm-hmm. a lot of coaches to work with someone it's like you enroll for several months mm-hmm. and it's hundreds of dollars a month and not everyone can realistically do that yeah. so I wanted to put something for people that was more accessible to be like you can get a little taste of this too you don't necessarily need to invest mm-hmm. thousands of dollars to do it yeah that's amazing because coaching is expensive. It's very, very it's expensive. Very yeah. 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 Uh, what are some tips you can give to aspiring entrepreneurs? Definitely, you've got to have the work ethic. Yeah. You've got to do the hard work. You've got to be consistent. You've got to show up. Um, and you've really got to know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, like, driving force your passion for why you're doing something mm-hmm. when it gets hard you're not going to want to stick in it you're yeah. not going to want to do the work you're going to want to give it up so I think you've definitely got to have that drive behind you to keep you in it focused and knowing why you're doing all the things yeah definitely finding your why I think that's been the biggest 
eye-opening lesson for me in the past few months is why am I doing everything that I'm doing? Like, what is the right. message behind it? I'm trying to build a lifestyle brand, so it has nothing to do with, like, coaching or anything like that. But yeah, when somebody shops my brand or looks at the brand, I want everybody to feel a little bit more high-vibe than they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's kind of just, like, the reason why, because I feel like me up-leveling has been so important to me spiritually, mentally, physically, all the things that all women should get to experience it, you know? Yeah, when people see us doing it, it motivates them to do it in their own life because they see someone else, it gives them permission to do it, to think differently, to grow differently, to live differently. Yeah. So that's why I think it's so important that people like you and I do this and are open about it and show it because you're giving other women the opportunity to realize that they can do it in their life too. Right. How long did it take for your business to like make a profit? Did it take a while? Um, <laughs> it yeah. took a while. Yeah. Um, I like okay. For example, like I remember when I first started, like when I first put out my first book and like mm-hmm. first started writing and really getting up like a lot on social media and having like okay, I want to do this. Like I can remember getting like direct deposits for my books that were like. 200 250 a month and I was like oh my god I made 250 dollars yeah people are buying it that's yeah. so cool and I mean so my first book came out in 2017 so mm-hmm. just over like two and a half years probably it was in the beginning of the year and now like the amount of money I make off books per month it's like oh like this is actually becoming like an actual income to me. Uh-huh. I mean, it definitely takes time. Yeah. Um, I feel like I wrote that first book a million years ago, even though it was only two <laughs> years ago. But like, just to tell you guys, like, don't give up. Be patient. Yeah. It, it does take time. Yeah. And like, even beyond that, like, I've been doing things that have somehow tied into what I'm doing now for well over a decade. Yeah. You know, I started my YouTube channel when YouTube like first got popular. I've yeah. been doing the, like videos. I had a blog. So like when people see people and they're like, oh, she's just like really blowing up, really taken off here. Yeah. I'm like, this has been a decade behind me. Yeah. This has been years in the making. So it's right. twisted. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not like directly, like obviously I wasn't writing books 10 years uh-huh. ago, but like I started a blog, you yeah. know, it was all in this direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, just definitely. give yourself some time. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. no business, I don't care how big or successful or whatever, like how big of a name it is, no business turns that much profit if at all in the first year. Yeah. So, and the ones that do, I feel like they don't last. Yeah. That's a trend. It's because they it's definitely trendy. like flash in the pan. Like, yep. 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 It's like a phase that goes viral and then that's it. Yeah. It's like that uh, cronut phase. Right. <laughs> Yeah. When everybody was a, like a line up around the block for a cronut. And then now, <laughs> before we wrap the show, we do a segment every week. It's called Weekly Weakness. And it's where you talk about your favorite thing of the week. So it could be a product or like a TV show, a movie, anything, a song. I just discovered, it's so funny because I'm like, oh, I automatically know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I just discovered at Sam's Club, I was shopping the other day. They sell edible cookie dough. I think it's called the Cookie Dough Cafe is the brand. And oh, I've had I, those. I love cookie dough. And so I was literally like, I like to have every once in a while a little like treat myself mm-hmm. dessert. And so I saw them and I was like, oh, these are coming home. But it's literally cookie dough that's edible. It has like no eggs in yeah. it or anything. Um, 
oh my god it's so fucking good i got like a cup of it last night and it was amazing i know what you're talking about does it have like a little teal blue light blue yeah. lip i yeah. have had it before it is so good oh but i know i'm like now i just have to make sure i don't eat one every night i can't keep it in the house <laughs> i cannot yeah. keep it in the house girl eight pack from sam's club no. so pray, pray for me no <laughs> see what i would have to do okay it's in the galsons down the street from my house but if I crave it, I have to get in the car and actually physically Don't go get to it. and get one, just one cup. Because that's I know I, I can't keep junk food in the house. I have See, no sense of moderation with junk food. There yeah, same. <laughs> if there is no internal switch inside me anywhere, I will. And I go into a whole, like, treat yourself <laughs> moment where I'm like, I'm just giving myself what I, it's good, it's yeah. cool, I'm myself, self-love. <laughs> eight, eight little jars later. <laughs> right, eight the whole package. <laughs> oh my god, those are so good though. Yes, I literally I, love As soon as you said it, I know, because I can picture it in my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so my website is sarahordo.com, and on there you can pretty much get to everything I have, but I'm on Instagram, YouTube under Sarah Ordo. What else do I have? Oh, my podcast is her best fucking life on mm-hmm. iTunes and Stitcher. And then my event website is her best fucking brunch.com. Yes. Oh, my all God. the things. All the things. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on today. Thank you so, so much fun. Yes, this is such a fun talk. I appreciate you being so open about your sobriety journey because I think that not a lot of people are. I think people are ashamed to say that they're struggling with something. And the truth is we all struggle with something. Yes. And the fact that you're open about it and you talk about it and you help others through it, you are, you're helping so many people out there. I love it. I just love knowing that I can take what I've been through and give other people hope and inspiration and, you know, maybe make it a little bit easier for them. Yeah. Thank you so much, girl, for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Sarah Ordo. If you guys enjoyed this conversation or any other previous episodes of Vibing in Valentino, go ahead and give me five stars. It would really mean so much to me. And if you could hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode, make sure you guys go check out my website. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.